This is Tom Fox, and welcome to the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. After having recorded, produced, hosted, and guested in over 5,000 podcasts, I decided it was time to have a podcast about what else? Podcasting. Over the series, I will visit with podcast hosts to learn about their love of podcasting, what they have been able to achieve through podcasting, and why you need to consider starting a podcast. This series will be fun, witty, chatty, the dash of joie de vivre for both entertainment and education. I hope you will join me as I explore the world of podcasting. In this episode, I visit with Tom Antion, a really interesting podcaster who will help the entrepreneur understand why podcasting can drive revenue in his podcast, Screw the Commute. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Everyone, this is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and I'm thrilled today to have with me Tom Antion. First of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be on the Compliance Network. Wow! (laughs) Probably (laughs) never thought that was in your future, to be on the Compliance (laughs) Podcast Network. I did not think so, but I'm here and I'm going to lay it on your guests or your audience, that's for sure. Tom, one of the key reasons I wanted to have you on is, uh, number one, what you do and your own social media outreach, two, your obvious passion and fun you have. But equally importantly, most of my listeners are corporate types, and it was clear to me that the skills, talents, and techniques you teach are equally or more important in the corporate world. We're going to talk about them in the context of entrepreneurs, but I see exactly what a general counsel, what a chief compliance officer, everyone in a corporation whose customers are their employees needs to understand. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you have a great backstory. I never had a job. That's why my podcast is called Screw the Commute. And I actually owned five apartment buildings and a hotel before I graduated college, starting with absolute nothing. Wasn't like Silver Spoon Kid. And so I've always been entrepreneurial. My dad came from uh, Syria on a cattle boat when he was uh, two or three years old, became an entrepreneur, actually put the first electric light bulb in Carnegie, Pennsylvania. (laughs) And so that's all I've seen my whole life is entrepreneur stuff. And I came up through the ranks, my own business, the rental business. Then I owned a nightclub for six years where I was in gunfights and knife fights and bikers trying to kill me. Then when I got out of that, alive luckily i i had a crazy entertainment company called prank masters we custom designed practical jokes did over four thousand of them in and around washington dc and the, and the funny part was is we got the most bizarre requests from lawyers and accountants but they wouldn't give us testimonials because they didn't want their customers to know they were doing all this crazy stuff so then i got into the professional speaking business done over 3,000 speeches in 12 countries. And and most notably in the last 29 years, I've been selling on the commercial internet and teaching people about that. And I have a big retreat center and a school. So that's me in a nutshell. When you say you haven't had a job, I tell people I love what I do. So it makes it seem as if I don't have a job. Would that be fair too? That's doubly fair because I actually don't have a job. But I could have quit doing this. I hit multimillionaire status 23 years ago, could have quit then. 
but I'm just a crazy business advocate and I just love helping people and have helped thousands of people. My One of my protégés just sold Pluto.tv and you're sitting down, good for you, $340 million to Viacom. You can check it out on Forbes and everything. Yeah, I started him out in 10th grade and turned him into an entrepreneur. And so that's the kind of stuff that I just eat up. I love it. And I told him, if next time I come to LA, you're buying dinner, but that's for sure. <laughs> I was also interested in what you said about your father, because my grandfather was an entrepreneur. My father couldn't take the chaos, so he became an engineer. I couldn't take the structure, so I became a lawyer. <laughs> my daughter couldn't stand the lawyer in me. So she became a graphic designer. So we all went completely to different differences in each generation. Well, what do you mean? No structure in being a lawyer. You got to show up in court and, and you can't piss off the judge, right? <laughs> you got to have some kind of decorum in that field, don't you? <laughs> what, what really intrigued me about your site and what you bring is in the podcasting world. Mm -hmm. Because I really try to tell every business person, every entrepreneur, as young as 16 and probably should even start younger, you need a podcast. And what, but why do you see that as a key component of what an entrepreneur or a small business person needs? I've got quite a bit on, on that. And for, first of all, my podcast got me invited to the white house. So I'll tell you that story in a minute, but see the, you can get in front of people you could never reach otherwise because everybody out there is are publicity hounds. And so now I poo-pooed podcasts for years because it was all ego-centered. People would just want to hear themselves talk and there was no money to be made. But then when I really got into it is when uh, automobiles could start playing podcasts from the dashboard and it, uh, the listenership has exceeded XM radio and it's free. That's hundreds of millions of potential listeners that are stuck in traffic, not screwing the commute that could listen to me. And then the next bump, was because of all the in-home devices like the Amazon Echo and the Google Assistant that put another billion units out there where people can be cooking and say, hey, play Screw the Commute podcast, and boom, it starts playing in their house. So the listenership went crazy, and then people were starting to make money. Now, it also it highlights your expertise. It's just like writing a book, but it's more intimate in that you're showing people that you really know what you're talking about. Now, one of the big mistakes people make is chasing sponsorship right off the bat. That's crazy. It's no wonder they have what they call pod fade, where people, I mean, people average length of a podcast is like seven episodes and people quit, all right? Because here's the cold reality of sponsorship. Sponsors pay between $18 and $25 per thousand downloads per episode. It's hard to get a thousand downloads in one episode, let me tell you. And so I made myself the, and this is what I suggest people do, make yourself the sponsor. I'm always the sponsor of my podcast, 800 and some episodes. I've got things from $7 to 59000 that I uh, can sell where I get all the money. So don't chase sponsors. And it's so easy to create products today, especially in the digital world. You can make yourself the sponsor. Now, I'm going to give folks the gold standard technique of all techniques if you have a podcast. You want me to do it? You bet. All right. So I used to teach my students 
to use Facebook groups and to join groups of people that were in your, that would be your potential customers and comment, don't make a jerk of yourself. And maybe they'll come over and check you out. Not anymore, but here's what I developed. I said, you interview the admin of the group, make them look great. And guess what they're going to do with the podcast? They're going to put it in the front of that group. This is how I got invited to the White House. So my school has scholarship programs through the Department of Defense for military spouses. So I need to get in front of a lot of the military people. So I found this military group that had 16,000 members. And I interviewed the admin. We hit it off. He's a badass. He's I carry a gun all the time. He's a bronze star winner. And we hit it off great. So he puts it in front of this 16,000 people in his group. And then he asked me to do some training programs because I'm always helping small business people and veterans and everything. So I did some training for him. One of the people in the group had connections to the White House in the last administration for military spouse employment. That was Mrs. Pence's deal, military spouse employment. So I got invited to talk to her office about military spouse employment just because of that connection there. So you locate groups that you want to, I don't want to be mean about it, but infiltrate, and you interview the admin, make them look great, and then you're in front of them. Now, one other thing, I think I saw this on your site too, is there's a little widget called speak pipe. Uh, Didn't I see it on your site? Yes. Yeah. I've been using that for years, and this is a widget where someone can actually leave a voicemail through your website. And all you big corporate people out there, why aren't you using this stuff? It's it's so much chump change. I think it's $20 a year, and it makes people be able to leave a voicemail. And then you get an email saying, hey, somebody just left a voicemail, and you can click on it, listen to it, and then respond to it right on your cell phone or tablet, right? All right, or however you want to do it. Now, here's how I use it in podcast world. So sometimes I don't have a whole episode that I want to do on a certain topic, but I still want to infiltrate Facebook groups. So for instance, I did a podcast on business insurance. I'm not any kind of expert on business insurance. So I went to podcast groups of insurance people. I went to the admin and I said, hey, I can really promote you on my big podcast if you could just go to this thing on my this little widget speak pipe and give me three minutes of tips on business insurance and promote yourself all you want. So he went over, left me a three minute thing. I added it into my podcast and he put it in front of thousands and thousands of insurance people that never heard of me. So these things are, are so easy and cheap if somebody would just teach them to you. So that's that's a bunch of stuff on podcasts. And you have all this available to you, and it can really, really skyrocket your business. So I heard three things in there. Let me see if I got these right. Number one, outreach. You can talk to people who would never pick up the phone and talk to you. And here's what I do. I email someone and say, my name is Tom Fox. I have this podcast. I'd like you to come on my podcast and talk about you. Nobody says no to me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Second is showing yourself as a subject matter expert in whatever area you want it to be. And then the last one is utilizing the Facebook podcast groups for both inbound and outbound marketing. Inbound, meaning they're coming on your pod and talking about their group. But the outbound is that 
speak speak pipe idea is brilliant and you can use that and you slice it and dice it create videograms or not videograms but audiograms and use that in your own marketing as well yeah the only change of what you said there is you're not targeting facebook podcast groups you're okay. targeting groups that would be potential customers for you in whatever it is archery golf leadership, whatever it is. So they have nothing to do with podcasts, not necessarily. You're just uh, potential customers for you, but the admins uh, always want to look great and you help them do it. I saw on your site that you've been interviewed twice by John Lee Dumas. Yeah. We're entrepreneur on fire. Mm -hmm. I have interviewed John Lee in for a 20 year anniversary of 9-11 podcast. Mm -hmm. He's he, a he was a, yeah, he was a college senior on 9-11. And that night he, he knew he was going to war, but I've not been interviewed by him. What's it like to be interviewed by one of the top podcast interviewers in the United States? Yeah, I've been interviewed twice uh, by him. And also my interview was put in their classics, t technically three times where a lot of people never get on once. He's a uh, no nonsense. It's bam. You better be hit it hard. You better give these fire bombs. I think he calls them or something to, for his his fire community and so you better you got to hit it hard and fast now here's the one thing though i'm a pretty darn good interview i'll have to say but anytime you can make it uh, money for the show then you rise up so i make uh, the top shows affiliates so if anybody buys anything from that show uh, that i can track then they get a check because of my appearance. It is funny because I, I actually saved a, an organization out in Los Angeles from going bankrupt one time. I went in and auctioned myself off, did a fundraiser. They have a mandate, Tom, that they only have a speaker one time. It's been that year for 20 years. They have a different speaker every time. I've been there five times <laughs> because, because every time I go, they make money. See, so if you can tie in an affiliate some way where they make money because of your appearance, I mean, you still have to be good and do a great job for their audience because top people don't want to put out things as an affiliate just be to, for the money because people won't trust them anymore if it's garbage. So you still got to be great on the interview, but when you're sending them money, you're right at their, you're way above their top of mind. You're like way up in the stratosphere because it's hard for them to make money at all on shows. And if you're sending it, you're a top guest and will be invited back. I was on one show 13 times <laughs> over the years. So I actually have a program on how to be a great podcast guest. And it's more than what you do on the interview. It's way before, it's before, right before, during, and after what that makes you a great podcast guest. So what are some of your other favorite appearances as a guest? We'll get to your hosting in a moment. I get, I've done over a thousand interviews. So I've done the Australian Broadcast Network, Canadian Broadcast Network. These weren't podcasts, but these were major networks. But anywhere where I can tell my stories about my dad, because this thing right behind me here is, you remember Johnny Cash, right? The, sure. uh, the singer. He had a, a, a song called A Boy Named Sue. And yep. it was a song about an old drunk cowboy that didn't think he'd be around to raise his kids. So he named him Sue. So he'd be scrappy and tough. Right. My dad was 50 when he had me, I was a baby of six boys and he didn't think he'd be around. He only went to the second grade, but he was one of the smartest guys I ever knew. 
And so he thought, I won't be around. I'm going to make this kid tough. So this little caricature here is from the time I could crawl, he would put pillows in front of me and put my toys on the other side to teach me how to overcome obstacles. And to this day, you tell me I can't do something, you better get out of the way as I blow by you doing it. Now, I won't cheat you. In fact, I have a, a TV show in development called Scam Brigade to go after cheaters and bad people. But I won't step on you or cheat you. But if you tell me, and this is great for your listeners in any, whether they're corporate or whether they're entrepreneurs or what, when somebody tells you you can't do something, it means they can't do it. It has nothing to do with you at all. Right. So that's the kind of thing I got from my dad. And so when I can go into those kinds of things, because I have plenty of techniques and things I can teach you and I do it all in my trainings and stuff. But but you have to get off your butt and do them. And I have to show you and I usually teach at the hope level so that people can because I can pretty much snow anybody on Internet stuff. But what good does that do me or them? that doesn't get them off their butt and get them moving. So anytime I can uh, do an appearance where I can move somebody forward, even if they make mistakes, I tell people fail fast, get off your butt and do something. And if you, if it goes great, good. If it fails, you learn something from it. But if you don't do anything, that's pitiful. That's really pitiful. So you said your dad came over on a cattle boat. Yep. Did he end up in West Virginia? No, he ended up in the whole Syria. He came from Syria. In fact, my name right. is a mistake. He, in those days, you were named from the, the village you were born in. He right. was Simon from Antioch. And he got to Ellis Island, which his name is up on the wall up there. And it's, they couldn't read it. So, okay, you're Sam Antioch. <laughs> no middle name. Just, that's it. And so that's how he, and they all settled, the Syrians settled outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. They ended up in Pittsburgh. Okay. And then he didn't want his boys growing up in the nasty streets of Pittsburgh. And so he moved to 60 miles out, uh, bought a bulldozer and made a truck stop. And, and I still own it to this day. So yeah, so Pitts, uh, it wasn't West Virginia, but see, Western Pennsylvania is very close to West Virginia is where I got, I was recruited all over the country for a uh, uh, football. So I wanted to stay close because my parents were elderly and Morgantown, West Virginia was only an hour from our little town in Pennsylvania. So tell us about some of your favorite podcast guests, Tom. Boy, that's tough. There's been over 400 of them out of the 800 episodes. But uh, I think of one. There's a guy named Mike Stewart. He's His nickname is the Internet Audio Guy, internetaudioguy.com. And he taught me back in around 1999 audio recording and editing. And I, th there was no podcast in those days, but I was making all kinds of cassettes and CDs and all that stuff. So <laughs> he's a, a country boy from Georgia. And, and he said, Tom, if you want to be an audio editor, first thing you got to do is record something. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then he says, and then he stops and thinks for a while. And he says, uh, and then what you do is you cut out what's bad. And what's left is good. <laughs> That's how you be an audio editor. And I've edited all 800 of our podcast episodes, plus hundreds of courses. <laughs> so he's with that philosophy, with that philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because that's all you're doing, really, other than cleaning up some noise and stuff. You cut out the bad stuff. What's left is good, and that's what you put out. 
everything I do is simple. I come from this small town to this day, Tom is still, the population is 500 and we lived in the suburbs. Right? So totally <laughs> in the sticks. And, right. uh, but it was one of those towns where your handshake meant something. Your work ethic had to be great. If you did something wrong, the whole town would come down on your head and not get sued over it. There's none of that stuff. So it was a good place to to be raised. And like I said, I still own the property this, to this day. So are your clients and customers starting out entrepreneurs? Are they people who've been doing it a while? Are they companies that may have been in seven figures that need a bump? How would you characterize your, your customer? There's three, diff three different ones, basically. One is uh, I'm very much against, and even though I was valedictorian in my high school, I got great grades in college, even though all the other jocks didn't even go to class. But that was a long time ago. The indoctrination camps they call colleges now are, in my uh, scam stuff, if they weren't colleges, they'd be in jail for the things they're doing with fake grade point average raises and, and all the bad stuff they're doing with textbooks and things that, and the tuitions. There on my rant, I forgot what the question was. <laughs> what did you ask me? You said you had three general categories oh, of customers. Yeah. So one is a young person that doesn't want to get saddled with hundreds of thousands of debt and wants to have an actual usable skill. My school is considered vocational, even though it's internet and digital marketing. It's the only licensed dedicated school in the country dedicated to that topic. So it's vocational. So that's someone that doesn't want to go to college. The next one would be someone in the small to medium-sized businesses that sees their money just going down black holes with web designers that just screwing them over and the enormous fees and they're not getting their returns. So they want to bring it in house and learn all the things. Cause I can build a web, a, a world-class website for 150 bucks, world-class that you're going to pay five to $15,000 for. In fact, I got best of the web in Inc magazine for a $650 site that beat out three other million dollar sites. And the panel of CEOs said, why'd this guy win? Well, because the site was easy to navigate and we could find what we wanted fast. The big money guys, that's all they cared about. And, and see, you can get websites now that'll do your dishes and wash your car. <laughs> yeah. But uh, people want simple and get their information quickly. So that's the business owner that is spending too much and getting too little for it. And they don't know what they're doing. And the third one is people in the older age range that want to either retired, have been displaced from a big job and need to keep their uh, income up. So they want to learn this stuff because in the digital, see the digital products that we concentrate on now are 97% profit. What other kind of business is 97% profit that you can do from your basement or you can do from your cell phone, literally. So, um, the uh, And I think you were going to ask me a little bit about the future uh, of this stuff. But uh, yeah, any business on earth should have a significant digital aspect to it. Small business, big business, because, um, I mean, uh, for instance, take a uh, an ice cream shop with, a let's say, a radius of five miles is where the bulk of their business is coming from. They've got rent, they've got repairs and refrigeration and kids, payroll and waste and all this and regulation and all this stuff. They could uh, do a, a digital book on how to make an ice cream cake and bring in 97% profit money from around the world 
and uh, have it in different languages and w make way more than they could ever make profit-wise in their local business. So every business needs to add a digital aspect to it, digital information, either paid or free. I have one free ebook, Tom, that's brought in, as of this morning, $3.91 million. And you say, oh, Tom, that sounds like BS. Who are you, who are you doing? Here's the, the method. If you uh, create a digital product that teaches people how to do something, but they can't do it, unless they purchase or lease or use the tool to do it. In this case, I teach people all about shopping cart systems, all the things they need with autoresponders and upsells and coupons and all the things, but they can't get all those benefits unless they get the system that I recommend and then I get an affiliate commission. And it's what's called a residual affiliate program. A basic affiliate, for those of you who don't know, is I recommend Tom, this Tom, and then if somebody buys something, I get a commission. All right, that's a one-shot deal. But residual means I'd recommend a membership site or some tool or hosting or something, and I keep getting paid over and over again. So I've had some people using this tool for 19 years. Right? And I keep getting between $600 and $720 a year but I only promoted it once to that person. And though you add the, the thousands of people that I have doing it, that's where big money comes. And I call it, Tom, an insurance policy for your life and your business because I can quit now and all these entities are still bringing money in in perpetuity as long as the people keep the program. So let's just take that and ask you to turn your head to the left and go down the road. Where do you see this in 2025 or perhaps even 2030, even more opportunity? Here's the thing, Tom. I, people ask me, and I'm not really a, what do they call those, futurists or whatever. And my, my smart aleck answer is that you may rub me if you like, but I am not a genie in a lamp. Right? So I know that <clears throat> the digital stuff is going to be great because everybody's doing it and the profit margin is so high, that means the risk is low for you. But here's the uh, one warning that I would give people. And uh, I have a philosophy. I use what I call dull edge technology. Everybody on earth is fl freaking out, flipping out, doing stuff with this artificial intelligence right now. Well, I think if you do get sucked into that, you have a little bit of artificial intelligence going on in your head. Because the, my dull edge technology means that if you use the cutting edge, or they call it bleeding edge, the reason it's called that is because it's got the most glitches, the most complaints, the most trouble, and the most expensive. Now, here's the problem. I just did a, an episode on artificial intelligence bias. These things are just making stuff up out of thin air. And if you would put that out under your name and somebody calls you on it, you look like a big fool and lose all your credibility. So I would uh, suggest people wait until all this AI stuff blows over, the fad of it, until we can get it down to a place where we can depend, use it judiciously into the future. So that's going to be going on through 24 and 25 until that really turns into something you can depend on. Tom, before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on your podcast or any of the services we talk about what would be the best place or places for them to go? I made a landing page for this show so that to give uh, homage to this great network you got going. It's going to be screwthecommute.com slash foxnet in your honor. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them a, a 
a book that I wrote that we charge a lot of money for it, but I'm going to give it to your listeners. It's called How to Automate Your Business. And this is good for any executive or small business owner, anybody. And we actually estimated at one time, Tom, that just one of the tips in the book has saved me eight million keystrokes, saved me carpal tunnel syndrome. See, I want people spending time with their prospects and customers and developing products and services, taking care of their customers, not fighting with their computer. And some of this stuff, what I, the tip I just told you, 20 bucks to implement it. I've been using it for 20 some years, right? And guess who taught it to me? The kid that I, my protege kid does. And that's why I keep young people around because they can figure stuff out. My, one of my nicknames is King of Kaching because my email goes Kaching when an order comes in and I, I wanted know. it on my cell phone as a ringtone, but I'm thinking it'll take me all day to figure this out. And so I gave it to one of the young people in the office. They came back in 10 minutes. And does it go ka-ching? Yes. Does I know how? No. Do I care? No. Does it go ka-ching? Yes. So keep young people around that are tech savvy. They came out of the womb swiping screens and stuff and keep them around. And wow, it'll just skyrocket your business. But a lot of the tips that I use are in this book at screwthecommute.com slash foxnet. Tom, I can't tell you how much fun this has been. I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation with you. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. See you later. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fox on Podcasting. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. Fox on Podcasting is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.